Well, we're in a series called The Values That Shape Us. The Values That Shape Us. And today is our number two priority. And that value is prayer. That value is prayer. And last week we began this series entitled The Values That Shape Us. And I want to remind you that these sermons are not sermons that are coming just from myself or from Lisa. These are sermons that are actually coming from, these statements are coming from a team of people This is coming out of community. This is coming out of a season of discerning and being in the word and hearing the voice of the spirit in community and going through some of the hard work of coming to terms with what, when we boil it all down, what are our values? What is going to shape the culture of Evangel Church and what we do moving forward? And so I want to thank the leaders again. And last week we unveiled our number one priority, which was engaging biblical truth will change your life. Engaging biblical truth will change your life. And today we're going to step into the second value that that should be a part of everything that we do. And if we're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We begin with amen, surrounding all we do with prayer. We begin with amen, surrounding all we do with with prayer. So today let's explore why this is a key element, not, not just to shaping the culture of evangel, but to your life and to your home and to your vocation, to being in your neighborhood, to being in family. Now before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we should probably define what, what prayer is. Um, I, I pulled a, a definition from the Lexham Theological Word Book, and, and it, it defines prayer like this. Prayer is intentional communication with God and can be spoken or written. It is often uh, petitionary, which means an appeal or a request to a deity, okay, so to God, in nature, though it may take many other forms as well. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament, don't miss this, I love this, both the Old Testament and the New Testament assume that God hears and responds to the prayers of his people, Amen. When you begin to study prayer through the ancient world, there's some interesting contrasts that we see recorded in the prayers that, that we have with the, throughout history. And so the Lexham Dictionary, um, it says this, and it makes a distinction here between the prayers of the Israelites and the prayers of the, uh, the Eastern world. And, and here's what it says. Another notable difference between Israelite prayers and those of other ancient Near Eastern cultures is that while Israel's neighbors praise their gods for their attributes and character, the Israelites praise Yahweh for his involvement in human history. Now, now it goes on to say that they also praise God for his attributes and character, but there's this added distinction that the Israelites praise Yahweh for his involvement in human history. History. There's always been this sense in knowing that God of the Bible hears and answers prayers. There's always been this sense of knowing that Yahweh, the God of the Bible, is involved in the course of human history. And this is, this is the why behind prayer. We, we serve our creator God who sees fit not to be at arm's length, but to be involved. Not to be distant, But he leans in to be near to his people. And this is why we pray. Now now take that idea into the New Testament. Jesus, the Son of God, reveals that that he's not just involved in human history, but, but he's involved in the human heart. 
He makes it personal. He makes it both for humanity, but also for you. He makes it personal. He calls your name. Al, he calls your name. Rick, he calls your name. Wally, he calls your name. He makes it personal in Jesus Christ. And there's this deep personal element to prayer with our creator God. And as you read the progression of the biblical narrative, you come to this beautiful conclusion that the creator of the universe both desires and has made a way for you to have relationship and dialogue and communication with your creator. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about those moments when you are out in this world. I want you to think about you drove your RV to beautiful Powell River to take in this beautiful place. I want you to think about those moments when you look around and you're overwhelmed by the beauty you see. And I want you to think that was created by a creator God who wants to know you. He knows you by name. He loves you deeply. He wants to be in dialogue and communication with you. He wants to grow in intimacy with you. That's why we pray. We begin with amen, surrounding all we do with prayer. And why is this? Because first and foremost, everything that is worthwhile, everything that is lasting and eternal comes out of time in the presence of God. This summer, we, we, we kind of took a, a bit of a, we called a bit of an audible as we felt God was just leading us to get back to presence, to begin to just dig into his presence as opposed to his power and his moving and his operation and, and being in the community. And all those things are good. All those things are right and all those things are righteous and holy and set apart for him. But it all comes back to his presence. It's all fueled by time in his presence. We begin with amen surrounding all we do with prayer. And today I want to give you six reasons why we must make prayer the staple of all that we do. Six reasons. So if you're taking notes, this is a little bit different. We don't usually do this. Usually I have one thing, one thing for you to remember. But today we're going to do a little bit different. We're going to do a list of six things. And this is not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination. These are just things that we want to kind of dig into. We pray... So that we can know his presence. So that we can know his presence. So we can know him. Prayer is the medium of relationship. When we pray, we're acknowledging his presence. In Ephesians 3, and I have, I have the scripture up on the screen for you today. We're going to be jumping around a lot today. But Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
This passage has been so, at times, abused over the decades. It's been a bit of a staple in, in our Western world for prosperity gospel and all of these different kind of teachings about getting, right? Getting from God. But I want you to notice what precedes verse 20. Often verse 20 is what's brought up so often. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, right? And we take that and we kind of twist it a little bit. But I want you to notice what precedes verse 20. This isn't about the outward stuff. Right? When you look at what Paul is talking about, about the abundance, he's talking about the deep inner working of the Spirit and the work of Christ in the inner man. That's what he's talking about. He's saying there, there's a promise that God will do more than you could ever ask or even think. He's going to change you in ways and in depth that you could never even dream was possible when you dig into his presence and his spirit and you spend time with him. It's not about the outward stuff. It's Paul's prayer for the church that they would, be, they would abundantly know the love and the presence of the spirit of God. And prayer is the medium of relationship with the Spirit. This, this is why Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you, right? Why, why does Paul pray in tongues? Why, In the baptism of the Spirit, you begin to speak in that prayer language that he gives you. Why? Because you're building yourself up in your spirit, man. Because you're engaging in the presence of God in a way that you otherwise couldn't. And you begin to pray in the Spirit. And you're built up in the spirit. And God begins to refine and change you abundantly more than you could ever even ask or think or imagine. We begin with amen, surrounding all we do with prayer. Number two, number two reason that we pray is we pray so we can live as overcomers. So we can live as overcomers. Luke 22 Verses 40 to 46 says this, And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove the cup from me. This is Jesus in, in, in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. And he's wrestling with this, this mission that God has set before him. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus both admonishes and models the power of prayer when it comes to overcoming temptation. Because Jesus' temptation, as it were, if we could even use this language, was, I don't want to do this. He knew full well the road that was ahead of him to the cross. He knew the suffering that he was going to endure. And so he comes to his father and says, if there's any other way, But his father strengthens him. Even though he agonizes in prayer, he's strengthened in the spirit, 
not my will, but yours be done. And in a culture of feelings, in a culture where most of our statements are, oh, I, I, I feel like this or I feel like that or my opinion of this is, is I feel that this is the way it is, right? We hear that word more and more and more and more. In a culture of feelings, we're reminded that one of the most powerful prayers ever prayed was, Father, I don't feel like doing this, but my feelings aside, your will be done. We begin with amen surrounding all we do with prayer. And he strengthened us to live as overcomers. Number three. Number three, we pray for determining God's will. Determining God's will, okay? Now, I want to be so careful with this one. Because I've seen it so abused in the church. Can I just say this before we move on? When it comes to finding God's will for like 90% of our lives, it's found here. Okay? Hey, hey, listen to me, friends. Now, I know like 66.798% of statistics are made up on the spot, but... But I want to just make a bit, a bit of a point with you. Most of our lives, the majority of your life, if you want to find God's will for your life, it's found here. It's found here. If you, say, if you have to ask the question, Lord, do you really want me to go tell my neighbor about Jesus? Uh, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of it, right? It, it's here. Most of Living and God's will for your life is going to be found in the word of God. So that's why before we get into this will of God and prayer thing, we need to bring that clarity. So often, finding the will of God isn't about hearing some exclusive revelation from the Spirit, but rather it's the Spirit revealing his word to you. And that's why it's so important in prayer, make this such a part of your prayer life. Because this is how God is going to most often speak to you. With that said, there's still these moments and seasons of our lives where the Spirit leads and guides and directs us in very specific ways. And so we pray because following the will of God is about coming into alignment with his heart and his will. And the only place you can find that is in his presence. It's in prayer. And not only that, it's in prayer, not just as an individual, it's in prayer. And this is so key. It's in prayer in community. Because often it's in community of faith where God will speak to you individually, but he'll also bring brothers and sisters who love you and want the best for you, and they'll confirm some things as you pray together, as you fellowship together, as you're with one another. God can use your brothers and sisters to help bring some alignment in your life as he speaks his will over you. Now, now I want to say this. This is, this is something that's interesting. I want to say this. Peace isn't always an indicator that you're walking in the will of God. <laughs> I just saw it. Oh, man, that was a beautiful moment. You should have saw some of the heads that just like, what? Now, I want to qualify this. At least not initially. At least not initially. 
Now, many of you know our story, and we've we've shared this story like like ad nauseum, but I, I had this moment of clarity while we were waiting at the Comox Ferry. And many of you know the story when we were called to come to Powell River and we came to explore. We showed up at the Comox Ferry, and it was just a weird moment. Like if everybody if, if every weirdo could have showed up to the ferry, that was the day. That was the day that kind of every weirdo showed up. And we're Lisa and I were sitting there going, Where in the world are we going? And here's what was interesting about that moment. In that moment, I just knew that I knew that I knew. It's like God, by his spirit, just like confirmed it without a doubt in my spirit. Powell River is the next season of life and ministry. I just knew it. You know what my response was? It was not peace. I got out of the car and I walked across that lot over to the, like, the rocky beach over there. And I won't say the words that I'm saying because I'm in church. No, they weren't. I wasn't swearing, but I was using, you know, the sanctified replacement words that we use, right? And I was like, ah. It wasn't peace, people. God confirmed something in, in, in my spirit, and initially I did not have a peace at all. Now, before we docked, coming over, we stood on the deck of that ferry and we just prayed a prayer, Lord, not our will but yours be done. And the moment we drove off that ferry is like the peace of God just like washed over us. Peace isn't always an indicator that you're hearing from God. Oftentimes, it's the opposite. Because he's going to ask you to do things that you in a million years would never want to do. He's going to do some things in your heart and your life that are going to stretch you and impact you in ways that aren't going to initially bring peace. They might even bring angst to your heart. But here's what I promise. As we begin to walk in obedience to the will of God coming out of our prayer time in the presence, that peace will come. That peace will come. Number four, we pray to get kingdom work accomplished. We pray to get kingdom work accomplished. We say it all the time that prayer is laying foundations on which the kingdom is built in this world. Prayer is the prerequisite to doing anything of significance in this world. Number one, because it's, it's in prayer that we align our hearts with the will of God. And number two, it's in prayer that we grow in faith to see before it's even accomplished. It's in prayer that we align our hearts with the will of God and begin to speak with authority before it's even seen. And in that time and in those moments, he begins to build a faith in us to see it even before it's accomplished. To believe it even before it's accomplished. To have eyes to see the substance and the evidence of faith in that situation, that circumstance, or that calling. John records Jesus' words in John 14, 12 to 13. He says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, 
I will do it. Notice the context of verses 13 to 14. We often hear 13 to 14 um, said, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Ask anything in my name. But in in the context of, of... of this writing and, and, and life, the ways of Jesus, he, he's revealing the kingdom of the Father on this earth. He's talking about the things of the kingdom. He's talking about things that are not of your kingdom or the world's kingdom or the patterns of this world. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And again, we pray in Jesus' name as we seek to glorify the Father in the Son. Here's what's interesting about a, uh, having a great filter when it comes to your prayer life. Particularly when it comes to Praying in faith when God is revealing some things about mission and where we're going as community or as individuals or families. Can you pray a prayer and whatever you're asking for, can you put it through the filter? Does this honor my Father in heaven and does it honor Christ Jesus and is it building the kingdom? So often we get so sidetracked with these verses and we go, oh, anything well, Lord, I want a new car. I, Lord, I didn't study for this test, but would you please? Yeah, who's ever prayed that one, right? You didn't study at all, and you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, show up. But I would ask you, as you begin to pray, and as you begin to pray in the, the, the kingdom work being accomplished, put it through a filter. Does this glorify the Father? Does it glorify the Son? And is it kingdom work? Does it glorify God? Ask anything in my name. But this context is about building kingdom. And why, why don't we see that? That that why why don't we see what we've seen in days gone by? Is, is a question I've been wrestling with. And perhaps it's because when it comes to building the kingdom, when it comes to the accomplishments of kingdom things in this world, perhaps it's because we've stopped praying like days gone by. Perhaps we're not seeing the kingdom of heaven in a way that we desire to because we've stopped praying like it's time that the church return to prayer as a prerequisite to anything being built worthwhile in this world by the church. It's time we return to prayer. Number five. Spiritual warfare. We pray with spiritual warfare. Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 6 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when the disobedience is complete. Or when your your obedience is complete. The prayer of warfare, much like the prayers of God's will, are found primarily in the Word of God. They're found primarily in the Word. In the word of God. Notice Paul speaks of the lie that comes against the knowledge of God. Warfare is about making every thought obedient to the will and the ways of Christ. Listen, friends, to to not know the word is more than, than not having the weapons of this war. It's not even understanding the battlefield. 
When I was in high school, I had this horrible, embarrassing moment during a basketball game at our rival. We, Massey in, in Winnipeg, Manitoba was our, was our rival high school. I went to Fort Richmond Collegiate. And I remember this game so profoundly because I had this big open court, like in the middle of the court takeaway. Okay? So I had this guy drill, and I took the ball away. And I got so caught up in the moment, and I went and I made this beautiful layup except it was on the wrong net. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And the problem is I scored for the other team. Listen, friends, so often we are travailing in the prayers of the flesh, not realizing that we're scoring for the other team because we don't know the word of God. If you want to be powerful in warfare, in the spirit, know the word of God. Because not only will you know the tools of prayer, but you'll know the battleground of prayer. Because he reveals it to us in his word. The outcome of warfare prayer isn't, isn't, isn't happiness. It isn't even preconceived ideas of what we think God's intervention should look like. The victorious outcome of warfare prayer is a life submitted in obedience to Christ. That's the win as we begin to pray, whether it's for ourselves or it's for others. Number six, we pray because it's the first steps of renewal. We pray because it's the first steps of renewal. J. Edwin Orr once said, Every revival in history could be traced to find at its source a group of people gathered for prayer. I want to read that again. Every revival in history could be traced to find at its source a group of people gathered for prayer. And I just want to remind you that goes back to the very first day of Pentecost. We talk a lot about revival coming to the church. And I want to shift maybe our perspective on this a little bit today. Instead of praying for revival to come to the church, I believe that through prayer, the church comes to realize that God is already on the move. And revival is already stirring and happening around us. When we begin to pray and when we begin to dig into the presence of God, we begin to realize that God is already moving. We're not waiting for him. He's waiting for us. Prayer is the first steps of renewal. And really this list, it brings us full circle. This, this heart for renewal brings us back to the realization that renewal and revival are nothing more than the Christian becoming hungry for his presence once again. In our world, in our time, we, we need to guard our hearts from this revival culture becoming an idol to the church. I want to be so careful because this can happen and it's so subtle. Where we see movements and churches Make everything about revival culture, power and gifts. And listen, if deep 
renewal in the presence of God hasn't preceded that, this becomes an idol and is dangerous. And it'll break the church, not build the church. You can't have this without deep hunger and transformative moments in the presence of our God. And that's why we pray. And that's why prayer is a priority. The greatest revivals and renewals this world has ever seen are those that were birthed in the quiet places of prayer. Those who determined in their hearts to know deeply their creator. Who submitted their will by the grace of God and picked up the mantle of his calling upon their lives. Prayer is the prerequisite to renewal, both for the individual and for the church. We begin with amen, surrounding all we do with prayer. Prayer is about knowing his presence. It's about living as overcomers. It's about determining God's will, about getting kingdom work accomplished. It's about spiritual warfare. And prayer is the first steps of renewal in his church and in our province and in this land. We begin with amen surrounding all we do with prayer. Why don't we stand together for a moment? The disciples, they had this moment where they asked Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And if you want to learn about prayer in a very practical way, Jesus, Jesus teaches it so beautifully in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, you just write that down. Many of you will know what he, his response was to them. And why don't we just pray this prayer together? Many of you know it. If you don't, just listen and be, be blessed by it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. So Lord, would you teach us again to pray? Would you teach us again, Lord, to know your presence, to be impacted by your presence? Would you give us a grace, God, to remove all the obstacles that would stand in the way of knowing you deeply? And Lord, may revival be realized as we dig into you. In Jesus' name, amen.